0: Hello and welcome to Minute 48 of the Great Escape Minute, the daily podcast where we dig into the Great Escape one minute at a time. I'm I'm Tom. And joining us today on this beautiful Wednesday is uh, Alan Sanders of the Wilderide and the Marriage Fit Podcast. Welcome back, Alan.
1: Thanks so much for having me back. It's uh, been a lot of fun. So looking forward to being here with you uh, as long as you'll have me back. Yeah, we'll,
0: we'll have to think about that. We'll, we'll let you know if we want to have you for the rest of the week or not. <laughs> We'll see how today goes. All right. So episode forty-eight starts with uh, Hiltz picking something up uh, from the ground, which looks like a jacket, and it uh, ends with Hiltz explaining what his new blitz will be. So I, I first want to mention that what what's really interesting. I I, I looked at the script, the original script of the film. There's actually a, a deleted scene that was that was written that took place uh, in between. Them finishing the guards going through the the hut and and showing the um, Milts and Ives getting out of prison like we did yesterday. Basically, I'm, I'm obviously not going to read it word for word, but what happened is is that uh, during the, the the search, they actually found something in the barracks. They found a they find a cement tray and a cold chisel. Then they have a scene that in von Luger's office where they have uh, von Luger speaking with Ramsey about this and he, he shows him these these items that they found and starts questioning Ramsey as to why they would have these type of things in there and ramsey obviously plays uh, plays dumb and says I have no idea why they would be there and so van Luger says well <laughs> come on anyone knows what you use this for the chisel is to use the cut is used to cut through cement and the tray is in order to cast the false slab in order to cover the tunnel right so Ramsey goes eh, I, I guess that's possible <laughs> and he could be and he also he also found a pump and then he he says and what about this and ramsey shrugs his shoulders and says i don't know what this is you know an airport so then van luger gives gives an order that that uh Strachwitz, that they should start uh, checking every cement floor in the camp and then Strachwitz uh, leaves and then uh van luger says to ramsey well I, I do apologize but uh you might be a little for a week or two while we try and sort this out so he goes, ah, oh, what's a what's a week or two amongst friends, Colonel? Will that be all? And he then he dismisses him and he leaves. Von Luger turns to to Posen, his uh, right hand man, and says, "Well, maybe we found all this. They had a chance to use it." Now, sorry, Posen says that to Ram. Uh, says that to von Luger, and then uh, von Luger says, "Well, that's going to be your job to find out." Now, obviously, this this tells us a little more about that it, it shows that the germans are a little smarter than than uh than they're portrayed in the movie but i can completely understand why they cut this out <laughs> you know it doesn't really add anything here uh to to the to the tone of these scenes to, to have taken that scene out from the the middle
2: but that does um it does give a hint as to why ives and Hiltz got out of the cooler early because maybe they had to throw whoever's bunks they found the Escape tools under into the cooler, and there's only so many rooms. And well, let's get rid of the guys who've been in there the longest. Okay, but that the-
0: that actually that actually makes sense. There is something to that in this in the script. It continues, and it, and it's a very short paragraph that discusses hiltz and Ives leaving. They don't even mention that they're they're that it. it they just basically show them walking out of the cooler. You know, you don't have the whole point with uh, you know hiltz counting his fingers or anything like that. But what's interesting is is that. As the two of them are walking away, they both steal things that they see on the side. Gil steals a long steel poker used to, for, for fire, it uh, used to, to, to stoke fire in a big stove. And Ives takes two small uh, tin saucepans and shoves them under his jacket as they walk off. So, I mean, we, we discussed this a few weeks ago. Uh, obviously, Alan, you, you, you weren't here when we discussed it, that the, the script describes a lot more... The the, the the way they steal items along the way you know uh, alan if you remember the scene where where verner catches henley next to the truck and says what are you doing and he says i'm stealing tools and he says stealing tools cooler in in the movie it it's it's played out as a joke cuz he's not really stealing anything in in the original script, he's actually he really is stealing things.
1: <laughs> well, they did tr- they so, showed that a little bit, and I for Brett, I mean, it's already a three hour, nearly three hour movie. At some point, you just kind of have to fill in your- one
0: hundred and seventy two <laughs> minutes, <laughs> right?
1: Almost three hours, but uh, almost, uh, almost. <laughs> you get the sense that they're so used to just picking up as quickly as they can, stashing, grabbing, because you never know what could be either for trading, barter, bartering, or uh, using for uh, for escape. And so I did get that sense rewatching the movie much more closely because um, I watched everything up to and then beyond uh, the the week here that I'm on, and I got that sense that they were they're all in some ways there may be one quote scrounger or but they were all scavengers at some point.
0: Yeah, well, as as the three of us are all uh, you know former soldiers, we know that everyone's a scavenger, everyone's a scrounger. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Whose whose shirt was this? I don't know. I don't care. Does Mine it fit? Now. I don't care. <laughs> Mine now. <laughs> exactly. So um, I, I, I guess it, I guess it's the same thing. All the way back in uh, during World War II, they did the same things. Yeah. It's, since since as we said, you know, we, we were wondering a few days ago about about them changing clothes. So I guess that's that's what they did. They would steal clothes from others. Uh, unless, unless you you, you you found something else, remember you said you would go check to to see uh, about the clothes.
1: I did, and I happened to p- uh, pull up an article from uh, jmvh dot org, a website uh, dedicated to the journals and memories of people who had served. And in this case, it was in World War Two, and it happened to be the memories of somebody who was in a prison camp that was dedicated to air personnel that had been shot down. ...and captured by the Germans. So I thought this was probably a journal. And when it comes to clothing, here's exactly what was written in this piece. It said, clothing. As would be expected, our clothes consisted of the items we were wearing when we were shot down. These obviously not last forever. However, Army pattern clothing became available. Ration controlled, possibly obtained through Red Cross sources, but undoubtedly some was material captured by the Germans in various places. We were able to have British boots... Shirts, wool underclothing, and later, even some American greatcoats and gloves were available. In addition, individual Red Cross parcels provided things like scarves, gloves, wool hats, and underclothing. There was no regularity about this, and we had to make them last. So, basically, they were wasting good supplies, but if they captured enemy supplies, they would just drop it into, like, the camp and let them sort of just, whoever wants whatever, scavenge it's yours, because we're not going to use it, so... That's how they would get it, or captured parcels from the Red Cross that the might make its way back to the camp for just scavenging.
0: All right. Oh, okay, great. Ones, interesting. Yeah, that really is. Um, so continuing with this minute. So uh, uh, can I Hilton say something I about leaving. this opening hallway?
1: You know how we talked about ahead. one of the light sources was coming through the window? The problem is that when you look in this long shot in the hallway, the <laughs> one suspended light you can see is actually not even lit.
0: Well, and, and and you see the shadow of the German guards also.
1: Right. From some other lights somewhere. I'm not sure. <laughs> it's an interesting thing when you start looking at lighting and set design, but they had the one light purposely hanging in the shot further down the hallway on a, on a wire with a little dome, and it's not even on. At the very least, they could have had a little low bulb lit, lit in there to give you a sense of all well, your oh, sources. They're just hanging intermittently, but the one that I see is not even lit
0: yeah that's true they, they were saving on light bulbs there was a light bulb shortage so the other they thing needed that- the extra light bulb they needed the extra light bulb in hiltz's cell in order to have the, the dual, double the double shadow yeah yeah, yeah was, his lights around his vanity for when he got up in the morning and had to comb his hair
1: <laughs> um it is interesting. This is where this is what threw me, because I'm like, okay, maybe he got out early for twenty days but did they both get out early? Because you see the his friend here, the you know, the, the tunnel digger himself, uh, you know Ives. Ives Ives, you know, he comes out, he's got this look of like, Hey, we survived and okay, but you're you're both out early. Oh, well, well, whatever.
0: Uh yeah, but uh but I mean, remember we when when Ives went into the cell, he he was uh, he had a very dour look on his face. And here he, he's quite uh, cheery and, uh, you know, he's, he's extremely happy to be. Mm-hmm. So, and and you see that Biltz that takes his jacket with him, but then the, the big question is, okay, where's his, where's his bow and mitt? Right. I, I, was, is it buried in the
1: jacket? Because it doesn't look like it.
0: Right.
2: It doesn't look like it. Uh, you know. I would guess but, uh, it is tucked know? into the sleeve of his jacket. That is going to be my guess.
0: Right. Could be okay. So we we go to the next scene where we we, we find Mac, Randy, and Roger all in the library. And Alan, we've 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 already established that this is the library because of all the, the 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 reference books on the side, you know, and and then the the whole slew of uh, Mein Kampfs you know, left <laughs> <one>, to <laughs> the other on the side. I don't. I don't get. I don't. I'm sorry. I just. I. I don't. I don't get tired of that joke. <laughs> Well,
1: at first I've heard it, and I love it. That's awesome.
0: Well, I know you, but everyone
1: is Sign, listening to this
0: podcast. copies.
2: <laughs> he doesn't he does get sick of the Mike Conk joke. He got sick of the Lifeguard joke. <laughs>
0: no. <laughs> no, because this is my joke. <laughs> the Lifeguard joke is Sedgwick's. <laughs> That's the difference. <laughs> so, so the uh, Max says no. So... It's it's it the the whole conversation here is 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 quite interesting because the, they're having a conversation about something that that you know we, we catch them in the middle of a conversation as as the minute goes along you you find out what they are talking about because Mac as as the head of secure, uh, intelligence able to to completely figure out what what's uh, what's going on here basically Hiltz and Ives somehow they found this out <laughs> decided to, to plan to to break out. This is I what
1: I don't understand, and I'm hoping you have the script. You could help fill in the gap. How in the hell did they know that these two had conspired in the hole? They were next to each other for 14, 14 days. <laughs> that They had planned, the minute we get out, we're blitzing. We're going to, just the two of us, we're friends now. We We've had nothing but each other's company for two weeks. We're getting out of here the minute they let us out. How in the hell would that have gotten back to... So, you know, supposedly these guys here in the
0: room to discuss. Well, Mac is really good in intelligence. Yeah, <laughs> I, that's they, the they line had, they to use. <laughs> <laughs> Again, the question is, is: Did 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 they get out of of the cooler and walk directly to the library? Did they get out of the cooler and and you know the two of them were hanging out on the side, going through their plan a little bit, and someone overheard them. You know, we we don't have a tracking shot of them going directly into the library. No, um, but in terms so this of, could be this could be two hours later. Yeah, so, but in
1: terms of storytelling, editing, unless there's a dramatic shift in light, it's the same kinds of shadows, the same general tone. So, as a filmmaker, as I'm watching this and I'm watching how you're cutting it, it feels like they went straight here, almost as if they were told, "Now that you're out, you need to come see these two guys. They want you." Right. So, I feel like there's no time that passed. It's just straight from the cooler here to talk to the guys that have been planning this escape while the other two were detained for those 14 days.
0: Right. Okay. Maybe, maybe, maybe they, no, uh, well, I was going to say maybe they bribed one of the guards, but no, if the guards knew about that, that wouldn't work. Um, right. I don't know. They, 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 That's a very good question. You know, we're, we're never going to be able to have the answers for everything. Especially since we, we can't ask Sturgis. And I would argue that they have
1: been summoned here right away because they want to question them about this idea that
0: they're going to blitz.
1: And so it seems okay. like
0: that was the intent. But maybe they've been summoned an hour. Someone heard it and said, oh, we've got to get them here right away. I mean, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm trying to... You know, it, could, it could go either way. It yeah. could go either way.
2: The timeline is questionable, yeah. It seems like they had time to figure out where someone put their bags and show up at to go see the new boss is really the impression I've always gotten from that scene is they went into the cooler and hadn't put their bags down and now they got to find them and go see the boss but yeah there's no time for even if they're discussing it for someone to then tell Mac for Mac to then be sitting with Ramsey and Big X. For them to be having the conversation, to summon them to, yeah, the timeline is incredibly questionable. And by the way, I'm
1: not bringing this up because I want to try to find holes with the movie. I mean, it's unfortunately what we do when we slow a movie down. When you're watching it real time, it just feels okay. You know, you're assuming they want to meet the guy that they didn't get a chance to sit down and talk to. Because the, the day they arrived, within minutes, he got himself thrown in the cooler. So, you know, it does kind of make sense he'd be summoned. But just the fact that they're going to throw in there, ooh, our intel guy is just so good; he already knew what you were planning. Well, there's no way possible,
2: or just right. a giant bluff on Ramsey's part. He knows Hilt has done eighteen plus. Ooh. He's done eighteen plus attempts. He's been in the hole for two weeks. He's probably come up with something. I'm gonna let him, you know, because they don't seem to know him. So we're gonna let him think the ex organization is even more impressive than it already is and that yes we knew what you two were talking about while you were in the hole come clean now
0: mm. okay
1: I, that one i think is kind of is a little more plausible although i yeah. thought the question was what are you planning to do or something how do, i can't remember who asks it first
0: yeah they ask it in a second they, they say ask uh, the questions about the blitzer okay yeah.
1: so they know about it ahead of time
0: Maybe they again. Maybe they know that they're that they're planning something. They don't know what yet. Okay, let's.
1: Well, I can drop that line of questioning <laughs> because I have another question. And this is again for you guys. You're the experts. Why, at the time, at at this point in the storytelling, knowing here is an American who has had a reputation for having seventeen other escapes. He's been recaptured, obviously, or at least attempts plus escapes. Why do you? Why do you not bring him into your plan right now? you say? Well, hold on a second. Here's what we've been working on. Why? Why not
0: now? What, well, what again, he's not he's not part of the ex organization, but he's so, in the camp.
1: And at some point, you're going to have to assume he's
0: you're in the with camp. He's in the camp, but but for 14 days, they've already been planning everything. Right. They don't have a spot for him in the ex organization. Uh, they don't have a top level spot. You know, he he he's not going to get an executive position. <laughs> <laughs> they're, going to, they're going to give him something in the mail room, and which That's which right. he's not going to. No key to the washroom. You were you got you were. No, but 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 you can actually think about it from that perspective too. That here you have a you know a high ranking American officer, and you know obviously the way that the the whole script is planned out, he doesn't need to be the organization. But it's not as if someone said at the beginning, "Oh, Hiltz is an expert at getting caught, so let's let's put him, let's give him this position. He'll be out in in two and a half weeks. You know, he'll be out in three weeks." Uh, now,
1: now, I'm going to jump in. What I think is really going on here. I think these are those moments that Steve McQueen put pressure on the film and the producers to give him more lines and more scenes. This is really a nonsense scene. It's just really here to give Steve McQueen something to do.
0: It's very possible. Yep. I mean, this is this is before he became as popular as as he 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 became afterwards. Uh, this this movie helped propel him to that to that position. But it is a known fact that he a little banana. bit of. Uh, yeah well i mean he he was able to
1: get this the whole production to to pause and have someone go rewrite the script like they were already ramping up they were in well into pre-production and he's like well i'd love to be part of if you're gonna do that you're gonna have to boot my character needs to do more more right and and obviously how much do you guys and you can choose to take this out but like you know the whole motorcycle thing I mean, that was never part of reality. That was just no. Steve Mc... Of course not.
0: That's completely Steve McQueen. Yeah, about that. he he
1: That's... actually said, "I want to write a scene in where I'm riding a motorcycle." I just I and think it like, makes like, sense there should... was
0: no motorcycle there, and he's like, "Well, I still want it." And yeah, well, well, there will so be. Now. Did it. <laughs> <laughs> which which again comes out as one of the most iconic moments of the film or of Lee's in general. So you know, it means it that worked. Steve McQueen knew what he was. He knew what he was doing. Well, yeah, I'm the Whether- <laughs> Uh
1: You know what? I think you've got to have, at some level, let's face it, you're an actor. People are you're, are paying money to look at you. At some point, you need to have that kind of an ego that says, I'm worth looking at. And so if you feel like my part's not good enough to be looked at, you feel weird about that. And so as an actor, and it's really hard to stop that ego from becoming egomaniacal. But, you know, I can see where he's like, look, look, you've got me. You're going to
0: have to work with me, okay? Right. I mean, again, this isn't Towering Inferno. We haven't reached that that level yet. You know, I'm assuming you're you're familiar with the fact that that in his contract it said that that he and Paul Newman have to have exactly the same number of words. You know, in the script.
1: Yeah, wasn't that? And this is a, <laughs> this is one of those little side stories. Wasn't it true that because of the two actors that the posters there were an equal yes. number of posters printed, one with one name just a little bit Correct. higher than the other, and then yep. the
0: first. Yeah, yeah. But in addition to that, the, the, the contract said that they both had to have the exact same number of words uh, to say in the script and, and the same number of, of, of minutes on screen or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. you go. Steve McQueen did get the last laugh. I not think there are many actors these days that would be able to get away with that. No. I
2: was going to say, Steve McQueen did get the last laugh, though. On the IMDb, Steve McQueen is above Paul Newman for Towering Inferno. The cast. And
1: he's also the first build here for IMD the movie as well. He's top bill.
2: Yeah, correct, correct.
0: Um, so basically, one of the things that Max says is that we're. I'm afraid that we're going to wake up the sleeping goons, which which takes us back to Rogers' line a few ago, where he basically said that that we're going to bore them to death and put the goons to sleep. <laughs> so it's it's interesting that 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 they're still using the same uh, the, the same phrasing between you know. It's it's been a few weeks and they're still using the same phrasing of what they want to uh, well, I at that of, point. I, to
1: me, it's derogatory. You know, these Germans are just a bunch of goons. They're not
0: real soldiers. They're not.
1: Like, we're going to use denigrating
0: terminology for them. All right, again, I'm, I'm gonna, as I said this two days ago. I'm, I'm holding up for later in the week. I got what to say about the the, the word goons. Also, it's uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Come back and listen all week, everyone. <laughs> Look at you, you're
1: dropping teases for episodes that won't come for another couple of days. You dropped this on Monday.
0: <laughs> That's Why not? Skill, man. No, because I want, to, I want it to be more relevant.
1: Mm-hmm. No, it makes sense. Hey, I will tell you, there's this, there's this little interaction between um, Richard Attenborough, Sir, which, which will eventually be Sir Richard Attenborough, and Steve McQueen, where they're actually interacting with one another. And I did find this little tidbit out that it was kind of interesting that uh, Richard Attenborough... Found Steve McQueen difficult to work with on set. What a
0: surprise! Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I don't um, believe um, it. I, I can't understand. I can't understand why. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I've. I, it, it is interesting that it took forty-eight minutes to put the the two top billed stars in the film together. And don't forget, Hiltz hasn't met Endly yet. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. The third according to uh,
1: according to what i read said that he said and this was years later it may have even been after steve mcqueen had passed away but he said it was years later it was one of the toughest challenges he ever faced and their onset relationship
0: was quote not peaceful Hmm. here's a here's a trivia that, that tom and i have discussed already who Richard attenborough wasn't originally supposed to play this part who originally was supposed to play the parts i know <laughs> It was going to be Dumbledore. Yes, <laughs> very good, good. Richard That's Harris. Great.
1: That's he right. got caught on a film that he was working on. That um, wasn't it. Uh, oh, he was like it, the film over, ran over time or something. That he wasn't going to be able to wrap his 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 role
0: up or something. Correct. Yeah. Correct. I, I bet. I bet he kicked himself for years on that one.
1: <laughs> well, you know, Richard Harris has had a pretty good career yeah, himself.
0: Away. That's true, yeah. but but you know, this is this is a, a, a top spot, too.
1: You, you know, know. I, I love... Obviously, Richard Attenborough is a very good actor and became a very good director, but when I see him, I almost feel like the character, the mythos that they create around Roger, and then you've got sort of this, like, Pillsbury Doughboy looking character. He's a very good actor, but he just doesn't have that look, of to me, of somebody who would be trusted to lead this, you know, group X, this whole, we're here to create as much havoc and problem. He just looks like I don't know, like the the chubby kid that would have gotten picked on.
0: He doesn't have the lines, but he has the. I'm sorry, he doesn't have the look, but he has the lines because you see in the scene uh, a few weeks ago when he starts laying out the plan, you mm-hmm. see that that he's the, the Attenborough's acting. You can you can see that 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 the, the wheels in his brains are moving as oh, yeah. he's planning out and stuff like that. So so I guess you can say he's. He's he's might not be the 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 bronze, and he might not be the you know the the, the bo- he might not have the body, but he's the one with the brains. Right, Roger. Roger's,
2: Roger's playing. All the Germans are playing checkers. Exactly.
1: And and in terms of talent, the actor pulls that part off. It's just it's still visually and and unfortunately, when you watch a movie, sometimes you have to look and go, "Can you believe the character has well written lines and very well delivered?" There's always that point where I look at him and go. I just wish he had had just maybe a little bit more of that. I don't know. I don't want to call it manliness, but a little bit more of that sort of chiseled jaw leader type versus kind of the the doughboy that you know has had
0: a couple too many crumpets
2: right at this point that almost makes And how him, long has he been how
0: long has he been captured? Remember he spent 3 months uh, with, the, with the the Gestapo. So the Gestapo probably has pretty good uh food for 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 their prisoners too. No, he's well fed. He he didn't skip any meals.
2: <laughs> well, and I was going to say though that him almost being on this, him looking unassuming, I almost feel like makes him better and I feel like in, you know, modern Hollywood we're trained for George Clooney and Brad Pitt are the ones running the groups versus, you know, but in reality, George Clooney or Brad Pitt stick out like a sore thumb in any group. You know, Richard Attenborough at this point, I mean, you put him in a crowded room, he's not going to stand out other than the fact he's, well, Richard Attenborough and people recognize him from it. But if you don't know who he is, you're not going to necessarily see him and go, he's somebody.
0: Right, that's true. I think I think there is something to that, because when, when he was brought into the into camp, the first thing that, that some of the other prisoners say is uh, they don't know who he is, meaning that the Germans weren't able to figure out that he's Big X. <laughs> so I, I think that's a very good point. If it was George Clooney, they would have known. <laughs> so we continue along with the minute, and Ramsey at that point confronts them and says, so I understand that you two are attempting a blitz out. Mm-hmm. and then he goes where'd you hear that uh sir <laughs> which is really fun to to hear the him to actually answer that and then then they start explaining a little bit more about that oh Max in charge of of knowing everything that goes on here apparently it, it's his job to even know what's going on in 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 the cooler uh, and to hear whispers of how they're going to to try to get out and then it, it, it's interesting the way that Roger basically tries to, to deal with it diplomatically and says, uh, well, uh, maybe we should uh, discuss this. Maybe you want to talk it over. This is and I'm going
1: to come at it from watching the actor. And, and again, I can't help but know the backstory of, of Steve McQueen wanting it to be all about him. But it seems like he is just so uninterested in being in a military mode when he's delivering these lines. He just. He's got his hands in his back pocket. He's kind of hunched forward. He almost was like, You guys are wasting my time. Why, why am I why am I talking to you? It just it feels weird. It feels like he didn't have any kind of military decorum where the other three guys they were very much sort of and maybe it's the British, but that regiment I, he's
0: I, just goofy. That's what this is. This is this is another way of Sturgis showing the the, the, the discrepancies between the Americans and Brits are Brits are are formal and everything Americans are informal <laughs> come on what type of what, look at his look at his look at Hiltz's uniform <laughs> he he's wearing a sweater you know <laughs> a short sleeve sweater' cut it's a, it's a long sleeve sweater that 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 uh you know the i'm surprised that they actually cut it at the at the elbows <laughs> as opposed to like cutting it you know cutting it at the shoulders you know um, giving the that, that... uh the the really rough james dean uh, look. <laughs>
1: It's just weird acting choices. Even if you're trying to call him out because he's not wearing a uniform, the, the, the hunched forward, almost like, uh, can I go now? Like I'm, if, if it was redone today, this is like the Keanu Reeves, like, whoa, dude. Okay. Like, I'm going tonight. Okay. Like, okay. All right. Thanks. It just feels so out of, out of, it just feels weird. I mean, it's okay. I like his character because he sort of is, uh, I don't care kind of a character. At least when we first meet him, he's, he's going to take care of himself. He's already sizing things up, but it just, it just it's it stands out to me when I watch this, uh, this three person scene turn into a four, or actually a five person season, Technically, when they come in, it's just right. really uh, interesting acting choices that the director let through.
0: It's- right. That that there's no question about that. And and what, what the, uh, Ramsey's next line is what really gets me. He says, "Everybody in the camp is supposed to clear uh, clear all escape attempts in advance." Um, hello, <laughs> wasn't Hiltz already there? You know, he he's been in other camps he must know that 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 there is protocol here you know that things are done in a certain way that that's the that's that's what what gets me here you know obviously he's not part of the ex organization maybe again that's uh, the difference between the, the maybe the ex organization was just a british or mm-hmm. that's what they're they're showing here that it was a british thing because you know they they let Endley in you know into their club that the, the 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 formality of it is that if you want to escape you got to get permission to do so right? letting just anyone try to some attempts. You know, and, and it seems that there's, there's definitely a lot of, uh, you know, everyone is, is following those orders mm-hmm. except for Hilts.
2: Well, here's right. what I think it is. MC is the senior British officer. Hilts is the senior American officer. And I mean, I mean, just in terms of how officer, the British and the American military are fairly similar rank structures in terms of like 01, 02, 03, 04 stuff. And there's a discrepancy between Ramsey and Hiltz. But I would think Hiltz is going, yeah, great. You can have all your little British flags come ask you for permission to leave. I'm an American. If I want to leave, I'm going to go ahead and take my own permission to do that. You know, or, uh, what's his name? The other one. I can't, uh, if Guff wants to leave, he'll come ask Hiltz's permission to go to make an escape, but he might not go to Ramsey, you know, so maybe in previous but, camps, there was a, Air, uh, Army Air Corps colonel there that Hiltz would have a little more respect in dealing
0: with. But, um, it's possible, I mean, there's, there's, there is a big discrepancy between their, their ranks, though, even though they're in different mili- military, you know, different countries, Ramsey's a, a group captain, he's an OF5, Hiltz is, is only an OF2. So it's not as if he's, he's close in rank to him. Right. That's right. So he still has the respect, you know, as, as they say, you respect the rank, not the man.
2: Well, right, and I think that's, I don't know if it's done well or if I'm trying to read too much into it, but I think that's the, I'm giving you this courtesy because you are the senior British officer, I'm telling you what I'm going to do. I'm not going to – if you don't know, that's great, and Ives might listen to you telling you no, us no, but I'm going to do my own thing and deal with it, you know.
1: Well, that's that, – the, the one hole in this whole thing is Ives, which we won't know until tomorrow, they must know this because they just have this mental telepathy and were able to figure out that the two of them had already concocted <laughs> this plan. Ives is planning to go too, and he wasn't asking for, for permission either.
0: Uh, that's a good point. Yeah, and Ives actually does need to to, to get permission. <laughs> he he's aware of the of the he he's. I mean, we know that he's good friends with with McDonald because Mac is the one who claps him on the back after after he uh you know blows the raspberry that he was sent away for for twenty for fourteen days
1: for fourteen days <laughs> fourteen, <laughs> it seems 14 like days, 20, for but it's
0: definitely it. fourteen. That's right. That's <laughs> right. Oh, daylight it's, it's, saving time. Exactly. <laughs> I was going to say there's there's different different regions, you know, <laughs> time you can zones keep time differently. That's just it's all messed up. <laughs> yeah, Exactly. <laughs> at this point uh, then they, they they ask him, "Okay, what what's your plan?" So he he, he says, "Well, you know, we're going to sneak out at night through a blind spot that I found in the wire." Now, didn't they establish a few weeks ago uh, when or a few <laughs> for us it was a few weeks. <laughs> um that it's not really a blind spot because they started shooting at him.
1: <laughs> yeah. That was the most, if you want to go back from the very beginning, and watch the whole movie. I was like, I thought you said it was a blind spot and you can see their faces looking right at you. There's no way that that's a blind spot.
0: <laughs> Once again, no, no but it's, it's, written it's in the script. no, but it's, 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 it's because it's below them. So they can't see it. Whatever. That, that's the, that, that's what they're trying to explain. Yeah. I get, I get right. it.
1: But then ne- not one single camera angle gave us that it was believable because we kept seeing the guards faces in the in their towers had they had an angle where all of a sudden you realize okay the guard unless he's leaning over can't see kept seeing their faces and that's what bothered me the whole time so anyway
2: it is what it is didn't we decide though rob that that's a blind spot at night because of where the searchlights were positioned the lights didn't have the range to hit the middle and that's why it's a blind spot in day the guards can sit because the sun's out
0: that that makes sense, but then, then why the hell would, would, would Hilts throw the ball during the day? Right. Uh, <laughs> he's, gonna <laughs> he's gonna lose his baseball. He's gonna lose his baseball. Do either of you have anything else for this minute? No. No, I'm good. Alright, I got one more thing. at, at the beginning uh, of this scene when you have Mac Ramsey and Roger speaking, Mac uses the phrase that uh, up the creek without a paddle. Now, I, 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 that 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 hit me really strange. I was thinking, wait a second. In in World War II, they used that phrase. Sounds. Uh, I mean, for, for me, it sounds even more modern than the nineteen sixties. Obviously, it was used in nineteen sixty three. It was up in you know, it was it was in, used in the in the script. Uh, do either of you have any idea how far back that that phrase goes? Um, I thought
1: it was an old phrase. Um, for some reason, again, it's like. Back in like the Royal Navy, back yeah. you know, Revolutionary time. That
2: and you
0: and you would be you would be correct. You're right. So I, I looked it up. I, I got it from uh, Wiktionary. Uh, Wiktionary. <laughs> That's what it's called. Yeah. Wiktionary, and uh, it's so it's a basically. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm going to read this one uh, word for word. Sorry, sorry, sorry to bore everyone listening to this, but you know, and and we'll 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 bleep out the few curves that are that are mentioned in here. So I find it really fascinating learning the origin of the phrase "up the creek." This phrase may have come from Hasler Creek in Portsmouth Harbor, a salt creek. Maybe the also the origin of the ultra of up up a shallow creek. Wounded soldiers during Nelson's time. Okay so Admiral Nelson was was I think uh, around the the turn of the 19th century if I remember correctly so we're talking at least you know the, the the late 1700s early 1800s okay so wounded sailors during Nelson's time were taken there to be admitted to the Royal Navy Navy hospital to die or to recover the ships moored up in the Solent and the wounded soldiers were transported up like by tramline hence the phrase, up the creek without a paddle. Because you have they to were, pull your boat up the creek. Right. Right. That's right. They were held prisoner so that they would not desert while being treated. And some tried to escape by going through the sewers to the creek. Another reason why they have the alternative uh, phrase, up the creek. Without a paddle, this would be hopeless. Hence the phrase, up the creek without a paddle, to mean trapped, stuck, or in trouble. Much... Very obscure navy jargon entered popular culture in the seafaring peoples of the British Isles and thus entered the English language as a whole. Wow. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I just found that really interesting. Sorry, sorry if I bored people with that. I um, love the etymology
1: of words. And, I think sometimes we just, if we, that to me is fascinating to just take a second and go, okay, well, where does that phrase actually come from? And a lot of times people go, I don't know. I just know what it means, you know.
0: Exactly. Again, if either of you have anything else to say about this minute.
1: Nope, uh, no. Nope.
0: All right. Alan, want to once again tell everyone how they can get in touch with you.
1: All right. I will, uh, I'll do a, a different podcast today because I do two specifically, but the one that my wife and I started this year, we thought it was kind of interesting as we became First-time empty nesters, unless they unless they come back. Um, <laughs> we created a podcast uh, called the Marriage Fit Podcast. My wife is a personal trainer, so she's into fitness. And, of course, we are a blended family, having both been divorced and remarried to each other. So we were learning how to get our pieces to fit together. And of course, like any good family, you tend to throw a fit from time to time. So we thought that was a clever way to call it uh, a marriage-based and relationship-based podcast. We call it the Marriage Fit Podcast with... Uh, just giving some of our thoughts and advice. We're not relationship experts. We're certainly not counselors and we don't have you know, they're gonna send you to a church or something like a lot of a relationship podcasts. It's just real stories from what we've learned and sometimes we you know we learn the hard way if we can prevent you from making the same mistakes and sometimes we've just learned how to be better communicators as a result and if we can help people that'd be awesome. So it's called the marriage podcast. Every podcatcher of your choice, that's what it's called. You gotta use all four words, the marriage fit podcast. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, the website, themarriagefitpodcast.com. dot com.
0: All right, great. Uh, and while you're checking that out, once you uh, go rate, re- rate, review, and subscribe for the show, give us uh, nice ratings. Hopefully, you can uh, you can get in touch with us via our website, thegreatescapeminute.com. dot com. You can shoot us a, a tweet on Twitter at uh, greatescape Our email is thegreatminute at gmail and you can come and chat with us at Facebook group The Cooler. So until tomorrow. Tally-ho. Tally-ho. Tally-ho.